0: Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim shares how he didn't earn a merit badge, I explain why it's super dangerous to go to church in Maine, and together we tackle the greatest criticism of the church as we discuss the issue of hypocrisy. Everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Good Christian People, the podcast. Episode I was not one. told to say the podcast.
1: To the 12 people who are hanging out with us.
0: That's optimistic. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you for uh, tuning in and checking out what we hope will be uh, something that becomes very lucrative that we can leave our careers for. (laughs) That is not true at all. Uh, We have been talking about doing a podcast for a while now. I mean, years we have been talking about doing it and trying to figure out the best way to go about having a conversation about the church, and now it seems very timely to do it. Why is that, Tim? Tim?
1: Well, it, because we just get done or getting done with COVID quarantine, and so now life is picking back up. I'm getting ready to. My wife and I have a baby in five weeks. So Congratulations! Life will, yeah, so life will continue to pick back up even more. And so, yeah, so we picked the the perfect time, right when life gets even more busy, to add one more thing to our plate. We we did. We're recording this in June of 2020, and we um, we acquired this. The, the what do you call it it's equipment to do the podcast back in December and we had talked about doing it in January and then in February and then March covid hit and we should have done it all through that but we used this stuff for fun friday so mm. uh it was, so we did there, you know those little like broadcast on to our church family on friday nights which was fun but yeah i think now that that's done i think it's a perfect opportunity to jump in and have Serious conversations like I told you before and I need you I, I think you need to explain to the audience what good Christian people means sure um, but w- we are as I said before we're just two regular dudes who are trying our best to be pastors it sounded um, so cool yeah as opposed to two pastors who are trying to be regular dudes even cooler and we've met a lot of those people we're just we're, we're like two bad pastors trying to be good pastors at least
0: exactly I,
1: at least I would say that of myself
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's really what this podcast is all about is uh, recognizing that on the outside as Christians, we tend to sometimes put on this uh, veneer that we are doing okay, that we have things all together. And uh, inside we are, uh, we need some work. And that's kind of what we're about. Good Christian people that on the outside, we look okay, but we recognize that we need Jesus and we need to address some of the things that are going on. This is like a self-help podcast. Uh, but it's probably not going to be very much help. Um, And so we're going to be looking at the church. We're going to be examining what the church looks like, how we can improve things that we have not always gotten correct, and then also kind of internalize it and look at our own lives and how we have not done so great, all within the hope that we become better and more like Jesus along the way.
1: So we're planning on a public confession of sin every single day.
0: Every single week. Wonderful. And then we want you guys to follow us on social media and uh, and lay out all your sins bare because uh, that's scriptural to uh, make sure that you put your sin out there on social. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we just probably should go ahead and introduce ourselves. Do it. You're
1: you're you're the host, dude.
0: I feel so weird uh, because you're my boss, but um, my name is Jeff Higgins. I am the worship pastor and missions pastor and collegiate pastor at Faith in Glen Burnie. Um, and the floor sweeper. And the floor sweeper. Oh, come on. I don't do that. Not because <laughs> Absolutely. I not because it's I'll beneath me because I don't know how. <laughs> I have been here since 2003 on staff, but I rolled in here in 1991. Uh, to join the church with my dad, who was the worship pastor at the time and still is one of the ones here. And I met this guy to my left, the right reverend Timothy James Byer. Reverend doctor. You were the reverend doctor when we were 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you absolutely.
1: insisted. For sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, so is that my cue? Yeah, it's your All cue. Right. I'm
0: just dropping in.
1: Wonderful. So, yeah, my <laughs> name is Tim Beyer, and I serve as the lead pastor here at uh, our church that I've grown up in. I was actually a baby born in the nursery, not literally, but, you know, dropped off in the nursery when I was just a little tyke. And grew up here and now have the strange and wonderful blessing curse of pastoring the church I grew up in, pastoring some of the people who who changed my diapers when I was a child, and they remem- they remind me of it from time to time. And so, uh, yeah. Which is
0: totally normal to do by the way.
1: Right. So I'm just like to, to get back to the normal guy trying to be a pastor. Like I'm just the, I'm the normal guy who went to public school, to public college, and then just jumped right into ministry when I graduated high school, you know, when I was going to a public college, uh, we're trying to make money with an it degree. And uh, then I finally did go to to um, seminary, but it was online, so that doesn't really even count. Doesn't count. So yeah, so I'm just a regular dude trying to trying to love people like Jesus, man. That's it.
0: Yeah, and uh, I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but let's go ahead and set the tone for our podcast. I do believe that from the pitch stage, pipe? no, okay. that from the stage, my father one day um, announced that you had grown up in the church, not only had grown up in the church, but something along the lines of you had been conceived in the back row. Correct. Yeah.
1: I cannot comment on that. I I can comment that it happened. I can't comment anymore (laughs) because there is pending litigation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If I were your parents, I would totally (laughs) see you too. And uh, so as we grew up in the youth group together, um, and we were good friends and then went off separate ways to different ministries, and then God in his uh, infinite sense of humor brought us back to now be a part of leading his church, and uh, and that is a daunting task that we are trying to do as best we can. And one of the ways, one of the tools we're going to try to use is this podcast to speak to our church people. But also, even if you have no affiliation with our church at all, we definitely um, want to hopefully encourage you during this time as we take a look at the church. That's the hope.
1: Ourselves. I mean, I mean, I, I think we would love to get you know seventeen. 17- people or so to listen to the podcast so I think that would be that'd be a win
0: that would be yeah. uh, it's that's about 16 more than I think you're gonna <laughs> my mom's gonna listen for that's sure true. your mom is our biggest fan absolutely it's, it's great that's yeah. uh and she's one of the ones it's like I changed your diapers like well of course you did you're my mom and uh and so that is what we are about that's who we are and um so if you want to check us out on social you can uh, and so we're going to kind of jump into it today. Good Christian people, we are going to take a look at our lives, at our churches, and how can we improve? Um, there are literally, I looked it up uh, because I was reading the Podcasting for Dummies book. I was skimming it because I'm a dummy dummy. And it said that there were like 800,000 different Christian podcasts or religious, po- podcasts. Religious, podcast. religious
1: podcasts. Religious
0: podcasts. Religious podcasts. eight hundred. Th- Okay, wow. I know.
1: That has, I have to imagine that has to include some of the ones where the uh, all they're doing is taking their sermons and just uploading them as a podcast.
0: I hope because otherwise that's a lot of I don't there's yeah. hardly
1: 800,000 Christians.
0: I know. Just in our church alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, we thought, you know, 800,000 religious podcasts, and um, we definitely needed one more. Sure. And so we're 800,001. Don't do the math on that or don't look it up. But uh, we're going to open it up today. We're going to be talking about something a little serious, and so we're going to try to lighten it up as we look at how Christians tend to bend the rules to uh, to their will and what they like to do. I want to bring up some rules that I found online. I went to a message board called Baptist Board. Uh, and if you have some free time to waste, definitely don't go to this website. So if you're a board Baptist if you're a bored stay away Baptist. from Baptist Board. Oh, I like what you did there. That's yeah, why you get paid see? the big bucks. And uh, and I came there was a there was an a conversation that was happening where uh, someone just asked, "Hey, what are some of the strange and unusual rules?" that your church has. These aren't
1: like the the terrible church signs out on the road, right? No. Are these actually entertaining?
0: Yeah. I okay. mean, well, they're entertaining for those of us who don't have to attend these churches.
1: That's probably true.
0: Okay. So literally one person, almost every rule that I'm going to read, well, they're not all from the same church, but they're from... Like,
1: like women I can't wear pants kind of thing.
0: Number one, women must wear nylons wow. to all services, even in the summertime when temps are characteristically over- 100 degrees
1: wear nylons every did i did i tell you that so i read the other day un, unbelievably that women were not allowed to wear uh, had to wear uh, dresses only on the floor of the united states senate That was mm. a law and that law was repealed in 1993 wow 1993 so up until the 90s women still could not wear pants on the floor of the u.s senate and so, I, I, you know, I, there's crazy laws all over the place, but give me, give me the next one.
0: Number two, men must have a, quote-unquote, men's haircut, which means hair must not touch their shirt collar or the tops of their ears. How about mohawks? Because I think
1: we should get into our first public confession of sin, and you should tell everybody about that nasty mohawk. From... Th-
0: Aged 30 to 34, I had a mohawk, and it looked like a horse's mane. I have a large head, and, uh, but the thing is, I, technically, I think this still counts as a man's haircut because it did not touch my shirt collar or the tops of my ears, but it did add three inches on the way up.
1: Oh, three inches at its minimum.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, It was yeah. big. I know. Um, ties are always to be worn with dress attire to services when serving in a ministry. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. like Jesus did. All right, so these, these are I would not normal. be welcome in that church. No. Ushers are required to buy a suit coat that is distinctive to ushering. They what had to that? have a burgundy suit coat oh. in order to be able to serve the church.
1: Remember when we used to back years ago here in this church, we used to have pageants and all of the ushers, we would make them wear cummerbunds, mm-hmm. even the ladies, Oh yeah, the women and the men would all yeah. wear cummerbunds. So yeah. I, I guess we're sort of not too far off. from. Yeah.
0: I mean, you want to have a uniform, you want to make it look nice and, sure. and they seem to enjoy that. That was great. Uh, no, this makes sense. I mean, you kind of tell what church we are here. We're, I mean, not we are, but the church we're talking about, no movies, no dancing, no drinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're starting to get the maybe a little bit more on the fundamental side. Clearly, music is to be limited to traditional Christian and classic. And I would love to know what qualifies as traditional Christian.
1: Certainly, I would. I would definitely say Skillet would be traditional. <laughs> uh, throw in a little bit of Toby Mac and um, definitely Bethel.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think it's interesting how some of the bands that are just so mainstream and light now are bands that like we had to fight for to be able to listen to. Like, oh, this was really cutting edge, and now we're our parents with oldies. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh. Like, that
1: Michael, like, I, Michael w. Smith. I had to fight to listen to Michael W. Smith.
0: I had to fight to not listen to Michael <laughs> W. Smith. God bless you, Michael W. Smith. You write great songs. Uh, okay, so this one is interesting. Attendance to all services. Mm-hmm. To all services. And on average, there were four services a week. In revival weeks or conferences, this number goes up to six. And there aren't an allowed three absences a year.
1: Wow. What's the attendance situation look like there? I like, like the marking of attendance? No idea.
0: I, and it said that the church should be notified of all of your vacations. Wow.
1: So, are, uh, like, I mean, if, if they're called, like, is it school? Like, they're calling out A.A. Ron, president, you know, yeah. like, I'm, I'm here. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I
0: guess. At I church. Don't know. Yeah. Mandatory soul winning each week. Yeah. Which, I from whatever. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. No clapping or hand raising. And then in parentheses, clapping is allowed when children perform. Oh, wow. Clapping is allowed in church. Yeah, fall. I think these all
1: sound terribly biblical.
0: Mm, yeah, I mean, if you rip out the entire book of Psalms, that's Correct, fantastic. Yeah. Women are to be silent in the services. Singing is allowed, but no talking of any kind. <laughs> so we can sing are to you, Jesus. This is a real rule from a
1: real church. Hundred percent. All right. So I don't want you to actually call out the church because I don't. think I have that no that would idea the church is. Okay. All right. No
0: idea. Um, I don't think the person wanted to post that they what this church was um, <laughs> no leaving a service once it's started, except in case of an emergency. And once you leave, you're not allowed back in.
1: See, all right. I get that. Like, that's terrible. Like uh, that is, that is extremely legalistic. However,
0: However as
1: the comes. pastor who is preaching and everything's decently silent, except for the goofball up on stage and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm not, you know a prima donna where like all right you all eyes on me kind of you know like bring your eyes up here bring your eyes up here uh, i've heard that from some people but um i i i like i it it is very distracting when people get up in the middle of the message middle of the row sure. and they get up and go and I, I being you know kind of growing up in the church like i i that's, i still have like a little pang of like not it's just uncomfortable to me. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's a kind of a culture back in the eighties and the nineties. It's like, you know, pee before you go to church, basically sure. like just drain yourself and then you don't have to worry with it. So, then once the service starts, I, I, that wasn't supposed to be funny. Once the service starts, like just sit down. So, I, but I get it. Like I'm, I'm never going I would never call anybody out for it. I have seen people actually being called out in services. Sure. Like, hey, what are you getting up and leaving? It's weird, but I, I don't. So that one, I don't hate as much. I think it's still terrible, but I don't hate it as much.
0: I mean, I can understand. Like, try to limit going out and being distracting. I get it's it. a distraction. But for then sure. to say you can't come back in, like you can only leave in case of an emergency. Like, what if it's not an emergency and I just want to get up? Am I not allowed to do that? Right.
1: But if, so, if if your your wife's pregnant and her water breaks, and like, do you have to prove it before you're able to go?
0: I would imagine so.
1: Like, sorry, pastor. Yeah. You know.
0: And then the church will call the ambulance, and then you can't go back into worship while your wife goes into labor. So right. that's only one or two more. Um, one more. No children under the age of five allowed in the service. No children in the front sections of the church. And no children allowed in the balcony without a parent. So, like, as Jesus said, let the children come mm-hmm. so far. Well, I just
1: How how high's the rail in the balcony? So that might make sense. You that might make kids
0: sense. All right, you're right. I, I repent of, of all of these uh, submissions. One other thing I found... Prove your faith. Prove let your, your faith. children get up <laughs> in the balcony. <laughs> Jump from this great height and the Lord will catch you. Did you know there are state laws that are... And uh, in, in, on the books... For churches, not against churches, but for churches, in Rehoboth, Delaware, it's illegal to whisper in church. What in Mississippi, what is the catalyst of that? I have no idea. Private citizens may arrest anyone who disturbs a church service. Hmm. In Nicholas County, West Virginia, no clergy members—I like this—may tell jokes or humorous stories from the pulpit during church services. For real. For real. And this one, I just, the word, I don't know if it's the wording that gets me or whatever, but in New York, it's illegal to fart in church with, (laughs) hang on, with the intention of creating a disturbance.
1: So, how do you prove that?
0: How do you prove, I mean, like, so, (laughs) get a load of this one. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, (laughs) so basically what it means is if you let one fly, you say, guys, that I had no intention of drawing in, you know, of creating a disturbance. But if you could say, you know, oh, he clearly, there was another one. So you and, live
1: in that town? Just be 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 prepared to say "oops." Sure. And if you say "oops," you're good.
0: Yeah, Tim, lighten it up for us, or make it heavy. I'm I'm done. These these rules are, are dumb.
1: They are. Yeah, they they're very dumb. I need rules to. Okay, okay I need to tell
0: one more. Go ahead. I was really on the on the fence about this one, but they're in Maine. Parishioners are required to bring shotguns to church in order to fend off. Native American attacks. Like, I did not want to share that one. I just, I I don't understand how that became a rule and how that continues to exist as a rule. That's, that's
1: unbelievable. So would would I get locked up then if I brought, I'm not a gun owner, but if I brought a handgun, would then I get locked up because I didn't bring a shotgun.
0: You did not bring the proper artillery to church. (laughs) So yeah. If I bring my
1: crossbow. Right. (laughs) Nunchucks.
0: I have a feeling a lot of people in Maine are not, Bringing shotguns to church. I would hope not. They're living in sin, not obeying the authorities over them. That's ridiculous. What do you got for us, Tim?
1: So it, when it comes to kind of lighthearted stories, um, it is a, we're, we're, we're dealing today with hypocrisy, right? That's our yes. topic of today. I was just kind of thinking through some of the latest, you know, just headlines that we have from the church and all of that kind of stuff. You may have heard this on the Holy Post podcast. I know you listen to it like I do. We've seen Church of the Highlands and that pastor, Chris Hodges, he liked a few tweets at some point in time. Then, you know, cancel culture came and, you know, it brought it to the attention of the school board. A couple of their campuses, they meet in schools. And so then the school board told them you couldn't meet any, you know, and it's cancel culture, right? We, mm-hmm. we know cancel culture. But I would suggest kind of on this, just to introduce this hypocrisy topic. The church did a pretty good job of authoring cancel culture a long time ago. You you remember 1997 growing up in a Southern Baptist church? What happened in 1997?
0: 1997.
1: Walt Disney World Mm. decided to start having a gay day, they called it. And so what did the Southern Baptists do?
0: No, thank you. Boycott.
1: Absolutely. Walt Disney World, you are canceled, which unbelievable. It's just stupid.
0: And It worked. You yeah. never hear anything oh, from Walt Disney. Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. We took we took them
0: down, got them down
1: for sure. Two years later, I don't know if you remember Jerry Falwell out of Liberty University or what, whatever we call that organization nowadays. Um, it, he said that Teletubbies were of the devil because one of the Teletubbies, I think it was Winky Tinky or Tinky Winky or something, right. was was a gay Teletubby, and so, of course, we should get rid of them. Uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a church boycott of J.C. Penny one year because uh, Ellen was, um, oh, yeah, okay. so that that was in 2012, mind you. An evan- evangelical group called the One Million Moms, part of the American Family Association, led a boycott of J.C. Penny because Ellen DeGeneres was named the department store spokesperson, of course. Mm. So, I, I don't know. So, I, I think... You know, it just is as silly and as stupid as the church can be. And of course, now now we have you know like uh, if you pay attention to Twitter, you've got people like Jen Hatmaker, mm-hmm. who are, you know Christians are like, ah, oh, you're canceled, you're mm-hmm. out. Uh, you've got people like Beth Moore, you know, hey, no, you're out, you can't be. And and so I think um, Christians. I'm looking at this I feel like Christians think they can give it but they can't get it back Right and just total hypocrisy in very many ways that and I understand fighting for purity and doctrine and I understand and and, and I think all of that happens in the local church and it's very in smaller ways it happens kind of in the larger denominational realms that we have but when we, we can't really get upset when the when the world says to the church hey we want to cancel you basically or hey we don't want you doing this Anymore, if we kind of invented it 25 some years ago, even before Twitter was around.
0: Well, and that's the problem when the church starts to look like the world, or when the church starts to do the things that the world is doing, and then all of a sudden it's wrong when it's happening to us. Mm-hmm. If you want to boycott, by all means, it's your money, it's your time, and your energy that you can give. But certainly, you know, be careful of trying to organize those kind of things. I mean, you remember when Chick fil A. Right. Got hit with all of the the homosexual stuff, and and it was just this boycott like we're not gonna we're not gonna eat anything from Chick fil A, and then like Chick fil A had like their best quarter ever because then everybody else came in and said well we're gonna counter protest, and yeah absolutely that that's weird, and so that really does kind of hit where we are today and what we're gonna be talking about for the first episode. We thought we should really tackle the issue of hypocrisy. Yeah, we go
1: just we're diving in, boy,
0: head first. This is gonna be an eight episode series. No, we're going to deal with all of it today. We're going to talk about hypocrisy. And I think the reason is, is because, um, to me, this is the foundational issue of criticism for the church. Sure. Because we have this thing where people can look at the church and the way that we act and see that the way that the things that we profess and the way that we act don't match up. Correct.
1: And, and you, you know why it's a foundational issue towards people who, people who say, yeah, I like Jesus, but I, I don't really care for the church. It's a foundational issue because it's true.
0: It's 100% true. It's true. Right. And so people look at Jesus and they say, you know, I really like his compassion. His perfection. I really like his love. I like his mercy. I like that he is this. And when the church doesn't exemplify those characteristics, then all of a sudden, we have this this thing where we don't look like the thing that we're trying to be like. if we're supposed to be if Christian means little Christ, and all of a sudden people look at us and go, um, I don't see you and that Jesus guy doing similar things, then our message is lost and we kind of our, our reputation gets hurt. And what's going to end up happening ultimately, and I think this does happen is people used to say, okay, well, here's Jesus and here's the church and the church doesn't look like Jesus. They would just kind of, scrap the church and say, Jesus is great. But ultimately what's going to happen is we're going to end up making Jesus in our image. And people are going to look at the church and say, if that's what Jesus is like, then I don't want any of that. And I feel like we have started to cross into that area where it's not the church doesn't look like Jesus. Is it maybe Jesus is starting to look like the church and that's not great. Well, we're supposed to be kind of a billboard, if you will. Sure. Like an advertisement for who
1: Jesus is. We are
0: the moon reflecting the sun. Right. I hated that t-shirt. I don't
1: remember that on a T-shirt.
0: It was, but it was spelled S-O-N. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've used that that thought process before. Oh no, it's a great point. I'm glad you would make it. It's a, you know, it's a powerful thought process to think that we are not the source of the light, but we are called to reflect the light. Mm. but yeah, at the end of the day, we, we are hypocrites, all of us, because we are all imperfect and at the very small ways and large ways. The problem is there's too many large hypocrites. Um, you know, so we say many times in the church, we are sinners saved by grace, right? Mm-hmm. So Paul calls himself the chiefest of sinners. We, we would consider ourselves to be sinners. And the only thing that separates us from other sinners is the grace of Christ, which we have um, we've taken into our lives as, as the free gift that it is. But at the end of the day, there's way too many Christians who forget that we're sinners. We, we get sure. we we get used to the grace, and we get used to having the resume of Christ. So then we as sinners look at other sinners and say, "How could you sin while we're sinning at the same time?" And the only difference mm-hmm. is we're covered in grace, and they're not. And so we're all hypocrites. So we could say we are hypocrites saved by grace, sure. just like the other people in the world who are hypocrites. I mean, the people who call the church hypocrites are hypocrites because sure. every person is a hypocrite. There's not a single person who is completely 100. None of us. Like there's no, all of us have some sort of a something in our life that we don't want people to know, or we act differently around one person and act differently around another person, which is the essence of hypocrisy.
0: And I think it's good to acknowledge that we have to acknowledge that. But then at the same time in that acknowledgement, you can't be okay with it. Like that can't be something where we say, of course, I am a hypocrite and I sort of own that. And, uh, and so, but that's what we have work to do. And I think that's why hypocrisy is so important to address. Um, it's a foundational criticism of the church. I got this book for, uh, for father's day. Um, Jen and the kids got me this book and I mean, you're going to roll your eyes when you hear who it's by, but, um, it's, it's by Sky Which
1: is fine because it's a podcast and no one can hear my eyes rolling.
0: That's true. But I'm yeah. telling you guys, his eyes are going to roll because, uh, <laughs> I am a huge fan of Sky Jitani he's, and, uh, he's a bright dude. He is smart. And um, I actually went on him one of his live videos one time and presented a question to him. And did he, he Did he take it. it? Yeah, but it wasn't a very good question. Did you
1: jump up and down?
0: I, I mean, I I fist pumped it silently, <laughs> <laughs> but my question was really dumb. Um, yeah, and so in his book, it's called "What If Jesus Was Serious." His whole premise is that the reason we have kind of this hypocrisy, the reason that people look at the church and go, we don't like what we see is not because the church takes Jesus too seriously. It's because we don't take him seriously enough. Mm -hmm. That when it comes to things like the Sermon on the Mount and the message that, that Jesus gave and the way that he told us to live our lives, that our approach to it is, that is a great ideal. That is a utopia. That someday we will get to, but like that's not possible for us. So, in in essence, we sort of make up our own holiness and our own path to Jesus. And if we just said, "What if Jesus really meant what he said and that we lived like that?" Then the world would see something completely different and go that way. Uh, and I thought it's just such a a great book. If you if you haven't gotten it, which uh, you probably haven't because you probably never heard of Skyjattani. What's it called um, again? What if Jesus was serious, yeah. and he even draws in it? It's great.
1: I, th- I think I presented a similar conversation, a similar question to the church a few weeks ago when we've been looking over justice passages. You know, all the times that God calls His people to justice, and I at the end of the message said, "What if God was serious?" Sure. Yeah, I mean, what if all these things that we brush over, he was like, and so here, here's a, a passage from Isaiah, speaking of hypocrisy that I really enjoy, and this kind of even ties in some of your stupid rules. Isaiah 29:13. 13, um, this is one of those woe to Jerusalem, woe to Israel passages. Um, verse 13 of Isaiah 29, the Lord said, these people approach me with their speeches, they honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me, and human rules direct their worship of me. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, we can say one thing, but it's, you know, God looks at the Pharisees and says, you guys are whitewashed tombs. He looks at, he can look at wolves in sheep clothing and see the wolves that are behind. He can look at the 10 buyers of the world and, uh, look at my persona on a pulpit on a Sunday and know that I am not that picture of perfection the rest of the 167 hours of the week.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jesus it's amazing when you look at his message in his life and ministry, how often he was speaking out against hypocrisy, particularly in the religious community, mm-hmm. that they, they said one thing, they lived a different way, and their hearts were just like not – they didn't match up. And so Jesus really took issue with that. I mean, we were in staff meeting just the other day, and we were talking about how Jesus was feasting with the tax collectors and the sinners. Like, the tax collectors and the sinners, they knew who they were. Yeah. They weren't acting like they were not what they were. And, and Jesus was drawn to that. He still obviously wanted them to change. He's not sitting there going, hey, it's cool that you're that way. Don't ever change. I mean, when we have the, you know, the story of the woman who's caught in the midst of adultery. Right. She's she's dragged up in front of Jesus in front of all these people. And you have the religious leaders who completely just lost sight of her humanity that we need to wreck her life. We need to shame her and embarrass her. And like Jesus really wasn't a big fan of that. <laughs> and he calls them out in such a way where they had to acknowledge their own sin. I mean, when you when you read it in he's sitting there, he's drawing in the ground. And I would love to know what he was drawing. And some people are like, he was writing out all of their sin. I don't think he was doing that. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe he was. but hangman game. He was. Yeah. You know, S, give me an S. Sin. <laughs> and then it just says they kept badgering him over and over and over again, saying, give us an answer. Give us an answer to what should we do here? And Jesus just stands up and says, let the first person without sin cast a first stone. What I really like in that passage in John is that they, um, it says the oldest guys figured it out first the oldest guys walked away. Like they were the ones that were smart. And there was the young guys going, no, let's kill her. And they looked around and they didn't have any backing because all of the old guys had gone on and said, um, we aren't everything we're pretending to be. And I think that still shows up in the church a lot. And I think Jesus probably isn't thrilled with it. I was looking up um, a couple of articles and and I'm sure we're going to reference Barna a lot when we go through these things, um, particularly in hypocrisy, because it, it it was very revealing. There was a study that was done like early 2000s where they started to note the lifestyles of the Christian, of the professing Christian and the non-Christian and the beliefs. Well, I'm and the, sure
1: they were completely different, right?
0: hundred percent. No, not at all. <laughs> like they, it was almost identical in the way that they lived. And I mean, and it was across the board. I mean, whether it was sexual disobedience, um, Thoughts on racism, mm-hmm. um, pornography, and divorce. That that they were noting that the the, the rate of people who were divorcing in the church mm-hmm. was actually, if not equal to what was happening in the culture at that time, some places had surpassed it.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: the church was starting to look more and more like the world, and then we wonder why we've lost the influence in that. There,
1: well, that gets back to your your thought from your Sky Jatani guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Say
0: his name. Yes. right.
1: Uh, what what did you say? He said that it's not it, we're it, it's something about persecution. It's not because we are devoted enough to Christ. Yeah. What what was that line?
0: That it's not that we're taking Jesus too seriously. It's that we're not taking him seriously enough. Right. That the messages and the things that he has said that this is the way to live your life. We're like that would be fantastic. We're not going to do that.
1: So I think. So I would say as a pastor. No one has explicitly told me what I'm about to say, but I would say just by you know discernment and watching and listening to people's lives, we look at the passage of Paul where he calls himself the chiefest of sinners, right? But then he also goes even further to say, I do what I hate, right? Mm-hmm. Everything I want, I, I yeah. want to do, uh, everything I want to do, I don't do, everything I don't want to do, I do. And I think some of us, we have, we would say that that is not our favorite verse, <laughs> but I think some of us use that almost as a life verse and mm-hmm. we use it as an excuse. Well, look at Paul. Paul, you know, is saying I, I do what I hate and I don't do what I, I want to do all this kind of stuff. And we're like, well, we, you know, we can be just like Paul and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think we act as if Paul was just throwing his hands up and saying, it is what it is. Right. This is going to be my life. I'm going to be terrible. And this is, and, and he, he's identifying a problem in his life with this, the, the, the hope to change it. hmm. But we, on the other side, I think we we look at that and we're like, you know, that's just, you know, we're good, we're good, we're just like Paul. Paul struggled, so we're gonna struggle and so we're gonna live with it instead of trying to be better.
0: Yeah, because that's the thing. You get to the end of Romans chapter seven and you see that Paul's not okay with it. He says, what a wretched soul am I? Who is going to rescue me from this body of death and just declares that his dependence is on God to rescue him, he's not okay with it. I love Romans chapter 7 if anything because it's just such a, an honest look at a bible hero who is so revered mm. and you say oh this guy never had a challenge he you know he had a thorn in his flesh oh that that was tough but he really struggled and there were things that you know he did not necessarily acknowledge to you know in the whole of scripture sure. saying here are my sins but he he had something that was going on going there is a there is a war waging in me between what i want to do and what I know I should be doing, and they don't match up. And the one of the things I came across when I was looking at that Barna study and and, and through Sky Gitani's work, I found this article. It was on Christianity Today. And if you're listening and you have time, look up The Scandal of the Evangelical Conscience, Why Christians Don't Practice What They Preach. It's on Christianity Today. Uh, it's by a guy named Ronald Sider. And it's a really, really long article that addresses in detail all of these areas where the church, where Christians, professing Christians had been hypocrites. Mm-hmm. But what was really interesting is at the end of that article, he starts saying, you know, here's some rays of hope, here's some encouragement. And what they noticed was that the numbers changed drastically when you stopped looking at those that just profess to be Christians and what we would call, I think Ed Stetzer in that book we were reading called casual Christians and actually looked at people who Really were, for lack of a better word, right now, saints, and uh, not like the fervent, yeah, yeah, fervent. That this is something that that was, this changed every area and impacted every, every area of their life. That the the difference between the casual Christians and the saints, those who had like real faith, was just drastically different numbers. Sure, and it it just and reveals the
1: divide that. is growing.
0: Right, and the more that you look like Jesus, the less you're going to be hypocritical because you see your sin in the light of his holiness you experience his grace you understand what he has done for us and then you go okay i don't want to be the way that i was and i want to allow jesus to help me be different sure and that's you know that was a, a really really powerful article i could read that that whole thing um a whole bunch so i would recommend that really well yeah
1: that i think there's a, a lot of there's a lot of protestants or evangelicals whatever whatever we want to call them who uh will downgrade the Catholic Church because they would say too many Catholics you know will live their life like they want to they'll you know they'll sin on Saturday and they'll go to confession on Sunday right sure and then you know rinse and repeat rinse and repeat uh you know just because the Protestant Church doesn't have a confessional booth that you go into, I don't know that many Protestants uh, live much different than that rinse and repeat schedule. Sure. Just come to church, uh, get a pep rally, talk about how Jesus loves us and he saves us from our sins, and then we'll come back next Sunday, and it doesn't matter how we live in the meantime.
0: And I think that's due to the fact, that if you kind of see the progression of Christians, it it, it kind of, all Christians sort of follow us, uh, not all Christians, but many Christians follow a specific journey. When you have people who come to Christ, we've all seen those people who they give their life to Christ. Particularly, like people who have um, lived a little bit and they come to Christ a little bit later, they are totally in love with Him. Like they they want to do everything. That it's like a whole new world is open. They've been set free. It's, and it's Paul this, conversion. Saul right. of Paul. It's a it's a major it's a major moment. And the problem is if in that journey and it doesn't matter when it happens. I mean you could be I mean I feel like we were I make the joke you were conceived on the back row. I was I was salvation by conception kind of thing. That we've been saved for a real long time and if you're not careful then after a while the reality of what Christ has done for us becomes sort of just old hat and we get used to his grace that sort of says, "You know what? If I go do this thing that he tells me not to do, I'm not actually going to explode. The world's not going to end." I can go do that thing and Jesus is still going to love me. Mm -hmm. And we take that grace and we allow it to, uh, in our minds, just I'm going to go do whatever I want to do.
1: Sure. Should we sin so that grace would increase? No. Right. So that sounds biblical. It does. Uh, So let me, let me shift the conversation. So, so we've agreed the church is full of hypocrites. Uh, You know, hypocrisy is a part of being sinners and we are all sinners just saved by grace. So for the people who look at the church and say, I want nothing to do with that, I'm just going to follow after the perfection of Jesus and I'm not going to hang out with the rest of those hypocrites. Number one, I think that (laughs) that's short-sighted for them to deny their own hypocrisy. But what what do you say to someone who, um, how do you you counsel in that to say you still need a greater community of the, the, you know, the priesthood of the believers, the assembly of the saints? How do you help someone to get over that hurdle of the church is full of hypocrites?
0: I th- yeah, that's a good question. I think the answer to that is, again, an acknowledgment that we are hypocrites, but then also point to the reality of, of we are now trying to do what we can to not be this way. Um, and I, I think if th- there's probably some internal work that needs to be done in the church before that's going to get fixed. Mm-hmm. That if we just say, hey, listen, yes, we f- if, if we just end with, I acknowledge that I'm a hypocrite, and I acknowledge that I don't always look like Jesus and I acknowledge that what I profess and what I act like and, and how I behave, they don't always align. Mm-hmm. If we just say, yes, we acknowledge that, then people are going to go, okay, so what are you going to do about it? And mm-hmm. like, Oh, nothing. I've acknowledged it. I think we have to then begin the work of saying, listen, we're not going to be this way. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to identify that and then learn and then make a move. And so how do we do that? And I think if, at first, as we've been talking about, it comes with a a lot of personal examination. Um,
1: yeah, I think- I, th- I would say we we stop doubling down, right? So sure. there's too many public figures who are never wrong, ever. The left is never wrong. The right is never wrong. They just and so there's there's no there's never a mention of hey I need forgiveness. There's and some have even said I've never asked for forgiveness. Um, there's we we there's, there, we can't double down on our wrongness. We have sure. to identify it and show and actually say that we're trying to not do this any longer. So instead of you know instead of throwing up an ego, puffing out our chest and saying, "Yeah, um, I, no, I'm 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 good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good," and just basically basking in our hypocrisy, like you said, we identify. Yeah, you're right. I am not perfect but i am trying to be better wouldn't it be great if everybody we knew we knew that they were trying to do better sure like isn't that kind of the point even of this podcast that we're not good but we're trying to be good christian people right and we want people to know that we are trying
0: and i think that also comes with the reality that we have to figure out why are we doing this why are we acting this way um to me, I, you know, I, I don't want to—in counseling, they say don't ever use you know, absolutes, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we hate sin, mm-hmm. right? And that's good. I we mean, should. We should. We should hate sin. The problem is we see the sin of other people, and very often the sin we get the angriest at oh, yeah. is the sin that we do that we see in other people mm-hmm. and that we're very quick to say, no, no, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. And that is even almost like a form of self-loathing. Like I hate this sin as if we're saying to Jesus, see God, see how much I hate this sin that I do. I'm willing to call it out in other people. And Jesus is going, call it out in yourself first. I right. believe that's scriptural.
1: We only like judgment when it's on other people. Sure. Like other than that, they like, don't judge me, but I'll judge you.
0: And we want everybody to follow the rules, like because we've seen that, that that Jesus has given us rules. We have to live a life of of, of, of order. Um, we have to live a life that that is obedient to His call for holiness. True. And we see other people not doing that, and we say, "Wait a second! If you're not going to act that way, then why do I have to act that way?" And so I want you to act that way, and I want everything. To be, we and it's a form of control. It's a form of saying, "I really like." Things happening this way, and you're not doing it the way that it should be done. Therefore, you are not deserving of God's grace and whatever. And I think God tends to be bigger than the—let me phrase that. That was mildly sarcastic. God is incredibly (laughs) bigger than our little tiny minds can figure out and and put them in a box. And so that that really is, um, I think, a big deal.
1: So would it be fair to say just kind of a boil down tweet sized um you know answer to maybe how do we overcome hypocrisy in the church? would it be fair to say and feel free to edit this for me but um to say we are not perfect, but we're not satisfied we are trying to be better right Does that overcome hypocrisy no. from the outside
0: No, it's for no because
1: i I think that is a start for sure so it's an identification of the problem. Mm-hmm. It's a, 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 a said that we don't want to be in the problem, and we're trying to move ourselves away
0: from the problem. I think where you really start to gain traction is when people can see the change happening. Mm. That if we spend thirty years going, trying, right, or, or not even trying, but if they just say thirty years of acknowledgement, guys, we're hypocrites. Guys, we're hypocrites, and we're trying. Okay, well, what are you doing to try? Mm. Uh, I came across this article by Jen Wilkin on uh, Christianity Today, and it was called, If You Want to Love Your Neighbor, Start by Hating Your Own Sin. Mm-hmm. And it was this idea that there is no such thing as like a victimless sin or an internal sin that's just between me and God, because if I am if I'm sinning and I have division, I have separation with God that he and I are not on great terms. It's really going to impact the way that I love you. Mm-hmm. It's going to impact the way that I, the, the further I move away from Jesus, the less I can look like him externally. Sure. And so we have to first go, I need to do some examination. Why do I feel the way that I do? What am I doing? And then how do I go? I need to really challenge these ideas and make sure that I'm bringing my life in line with
1: Jesus, sure. So, what um, I, I we talked about doing a public confession here, yeah. So, I think we, we might come to that that spot. Um, yeah, I, this is this
0: is going to be the most uncomfortable moment of each, each and every one, each podcast. We've That's right. so church. We've built in uh, this idea that it would be totally wrong for us to sit here and uh, dump on the church and point out all of the flaws of the church and not acknowledge our own individual ones. Because, again, we can look externally all we want, um, but we ultimately have to come back and say we are what makes up the church. And if the church has a problem, it's because of the people that are in it. Mm -hmm. And so now comes the time where we do have a time of confession, where each week Pastor Tim and I, We'll come together, and we will acknowledge uh, something that we have not done based on the, um, based on the theme of the day. So and, out
1: of service and love to you, I'm going to let you go first. Oh,
0: thank you. What a servant leader. Yeah, so, okay, so I had to go to my wife on this one, Jen, and I said, um, baby, I need some help coming up with an example of a time that I was hypocritical. And what is concerning to me is Shit not— lots. She she's went back 13 years. <laughs> like, I can date when it happened because it was the day that our son, Jack, was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's 13 years old now. And on the day that she was in labor, we were in the hospital. It was It was me, her, her mom, and the doctors all in the room. And she was in the most agonizing pain. And it was coming out in different ways. Lots of screams, lots of just... You know I mean? Like it was awful. And in the throes of this terrible agony, she dropped a curse word. I don't even remember what it was, but she did. And
1: hold on. Is this your confession or her confession?
0: It's well,
1: yeah, it's coming, right? It's
0: coming. And I asked her, so you're sure, you sure that you're okay with me sharing this? And she's like, I'm good. So the deal was, is that in the throes of this, she let out a swear word in the midst of labor And me being the stupid insensitive husband at the time went to correct her on that and to be like, Hey baby, I don't think we should be swearing. And, um, and then I think there were swears that came after that, um, not directed at the pain, but then at me for being stupid and insensitive. And, and her point was that in this moment, she allowed you to stay
1: in the room. (laughs) Yeah,
0: barely. Uh, in that moment of pain and agony, um, she said something that, okay, maybe she shouldn't have said, but it makes sense. I mean, we've all said stuff and yet in my Pharisaicalness, I looked at that and said, no, no, we shouldn't be saying that. But here's the deal. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a big fan of movies. I'm a big fan of a lot of movies. And I go to and watch just about everything that comes out. And, um, there are some words that, pop up in those movies that I have no issues with. I mean, obviously I'm not going to go say them myself, but, but I certainly am not filtering it through the thing of going, I'm going to be so locked in. I'm so holy that I can't hear these words. And in, like, I'm not living that out. I'm not doing that. I can, I can understand for myself that that's not something that I should be doing, be saying, um, I understand that this is not a part of my worldview and I can watch these movies without that becoming part of my vocabulary. But in that moment, my wife was like, yeah, let's go back 13 years. This is very specific. Um, And so I'm glad that we're only dealing with hypocrisy once because I'd hate to go back over the next 13 years and and where I have not done that. And so uh, I formally apologize to my wife for correcting her in the midst of labor. That was a stupid, stupid thing. And she has really helped me um, try to get over some of my Phariseeism and uh, every night when we go to bed, we pray together, and then um, I have to say a cuss word so to, to to just oh, no, sure that's not true
1: that's good um, how my son, how long has it been since your last confession
0: well this this one this is right. my first one
1: well as a good Baptist minister, I will tell you to Pray three Our Fathers and four Hail Marys.
0: I don't, I don't know how to throw a football that far. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All
1: right, so my own public confession here. Um, so we're we're so hip, as me being a hypocrite because I'm a sinner and so I have moments of hypocrisy. So we're in the middle of this series called God and Justice, where we're talking about and looking at the the biblical. Um, charges to seek out the marginalized and those who are poor and those the the, the resident alien and the immigrants and the fatherless and the widow and you know all these things and the people who don't have a voice giving them a voice. The other day I was leaving church. I was in a rush to get home. I had to stop get gas because I was you know basically burning fumes. Got gas and as I was pulling out, I saw an old lady who had a suitcase on the side of the road, who looked like she was trying to cross the road, but I couldn't really tell. She was just kind of watching traffic. And I looked and I had an opportunity to go and I just, I left because uh, I had to get home. It was like time. And the amount of guilt that I had about five minutes later when God kind of like tapped my shoulder and was like, hey, couldn't you have like just took taken 30 seconds to help the old lady across the road and, you know, all that kind of stuff? Um, I, I really felt, you know, a heavy conviction of the guy who's just talked about reaching out to the marginalized and helping people who don't have the strength and the, the position that you do. And then I was leaving church, heading home to my wife. And as simple as it sounds, it couldn't help an old lady across the road. Hmm. Uh, and I didn't. I didn't turn around. I, I just kept on going because, you know, I needed to get home because of a time frame. And, uh, you know, anyway. So, yes, even – even it, so uh, when I tell the church that every single sermon I'm preaching to myself, I am 100% truthful that I'm yelling at myself with the things that need to be yelled at all the time. So –
0: well, you're clearly going to hell. Yeah, that's terrible. Like no, uh, you're definitely, definitely not a uh, a former Boy Scout. Um, so <laughs> I absolve you of your sin, Church. Uh, as you're listening to this, um, please don't. Let's let's be super honest in the uh, in the the scripture. When Paul is recounting the things that he has done, where he says, "My life, I feel this way, I act this way," Paul doesn't give us a glimpse into what those heavy duty sins are. Please don't think that we are just so Christian that the worst things that we have done is tell our wives not to swear and not help an old lady across the road. Um, We definitely are uh, broken people. And uh, the one thing that I have, not the one thing, but one thing that I've learned in counseling is that you don't always have to tell everybody all of your dirt, but you do need to tell somebody your dirt. Yeah. And so uh, we have those people in our lives that we can tell our dirt to. And uh, those people are not you. But we definitely want to share some of our dirt and uh, and let you know that, that, that we, we don't nail things um, very frequently.
1: Well, even some of those stories, they're always symptomatic of something larger. Absolutely. That needs to be worked on in your life, my life, all of our lives.
0: I mean, so. now, granted, yours happened two weeks ago and mine was 13 <laughs> years ago. But that's fine. I mean, it just goes to show our level of holiness. But... We want to end every let end episode, on a good note. End on a good note. Not just a good note, but a great note where we want to look at, okay, we've 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 addressed an issue, we've acknowledged the issue in our own lives, but we want to just take a minute and we wanna highlight those in our community, in our world who are doing the great thing. Great who, Christian great people. Great Christian people. Do it, man. And we are going through a very difficult time right now, uh, in our country, in our world. With the coronavirus, with the racial tensions that are happening um, in our country right now, and also dust from the Sahara is coming over or has come over. I don't understand that. I've not even heard of that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And like crickets and locusts and uh, murder hornets. Uh, That happened for like a minute and a half. But – In the midst of of all of this, it would be easy for the church to hunker down and just isolate and say, well, we're just going to be all about ourselves. And yet there are lots of churches, lots of ministries and organizations that are out there that are doing some amazing things, just in our own community. We've got a a sister church um, a couple miles away. The church is Severn Run. uh, We've got a lot of friends there, and they are doing an amazing job feeding uh, people on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Their their organization is just absolutely uh, insane. The Southern Baptist, um, what are they called? The Southern Baptist or Relief? Baptist no, 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 Relief. Baptist. For, I don't, convention. Convention. There yeah, you thank SBC. you. I was like, the C stands for coloring books. I couldn't remember. Yeah, the the Southern Baptist Convention, Lutheran World Relief. These guys are doing an amazing job supporting our essential workers with new PPE. There is a church in San Diego. I caught this yesterday. The Rock Church in San Diego. Forty three hundred volunteers over six weeks repaired three hundred thousand. PPE masks for frontline workers. That's awesome. Um, and and obviously, like like these things are not necessarily going out and saying, "Hey, we need to get you saved and keep you from, you know, going down this dark road." We're, it's just like, look, we just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You talked mm. about this in, in one of your recent sermons that that is just something that we should be doing. That the way that we show love, the way that we go about things, is by being the hands and feet of Jesus, recognizing the need, sacrificing of ourselves, and saying. We will do everything we can to show you love.
1: Well, it's something simple, yet we make complex because we feel that it needs to be profound. When in truthfulness, it just needs to be simple.
0: Simple, as simple as helping an old lady across the road. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So you mentioned some organizations and some churches. I, I want to mention an individual that when when you speak of hypocrisy and people ask the question, "Is that dude for real?" Uh, we have a guy in our church that we've known for 20 years. Uh, I've known him for almost 30 years. Uh, I, he wouldn't want his name mentioned, so I won't mention his name. But he—he's the guy who is always excited. He's you know he's he has Jesus plastered on his car, Jesus plastered on his chest. He and he's always always um, just hooping and hollering about the Lord and the 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 joy in his life and all that kind of stuff. And I have. Many times in my life, and I would say many, probably mm, half a dozen times, he has. Um, I've been a part of a conversation where he has been conversing with someone that just met him, just brand new. He has left because he's a social butterfly. I went to go talk to somebody else about Jesus, and they have looked at me. So I'm telling you, half a dozen times they've looked at me and said, "Is this guy for real?" Mm-hmm. And having been someone who has known him for nearly thirty years, known him in the church for almost twenty years, uh, been on trips with him, shared a, a you know a, 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 a hotel room with him on a mission trip before, uh, you know just just been around with him with so many different interactions. It's such a joy to be able to tell somebody, no, like he's for real. Like the the joy that he exudes, and the joy and the. Uh, the, the call to evangelism in his life, that he is constantly sharing the love of Christ. I'm just so thankful for um, people in our lives who obviously he's not perfect. Obviously he's got plenty of stuff in his life that like all of us and we need to work on and we're asking for grace constantly. But I'm thankful for people in our lives who even though they can be so excited about Jesus, people doubt them. The, the, the joy of the Lord is real.
0: There's a story, I know exactly who you're talking about, and uh, there's a story where um, I think somebody, uh, they were working with him on a site, and he wasn't aware that anybody was around, mm-hmm. and he stood up, and he cracked his head like on an air handling unit, and and from a distance, you could hear a, mm, you know, like a big hit, and then all of a sudden, you hear, thank you, Lord, he came down, and like his head was bleeding, Right, and and like in this moment <laughs> of just I'm alone, and I go through something difficult. The first reaction of of that is thank you, Lord. Praise, praise.
1: So, are you saying you and your wife would not have the same reaction? My wife definitely would
0: <laughs> I would have called her out on it. Uh, no, and so, but but that's that's the thing. Wrapping this whole thing together is that his level of personal holiness and how close he is to Jesus. That when things happen, he just naturally exudes holiness, praise, praise. Yep. He looks like Jesus, even when no one else is looking. And that's where we need to get to as a church. That's that is what the whole purpose of this uh, podcast is about is saying, how can we become more like Jesus in the way that we live? So that when the world sees us, they don't see us. They go, are these guys for real? And the more they encounter us, the more they go, those guys are for real. I like the Jesus that they represent.
1: Well, I feel like we've had an amazing conversation. I'm hoping all of our podcast episodes will not be this long. I feel like some of that is just because on the front end we had to explain what was going on and you know, the episodes sure. to come won't be as long. But whoever... So l- let's think... Very optimistically for a second. Okay. So let's say, you know, it's 2024 and someone is listening to this episode right now because Mm -hmm. they, you know, they caught like episode 200 or something again, optimistically. And they went back and like, Hey, I want to listen to episode number one. Let's just, just right off the bat say, we are very sorry for the quality of what you are hearing right now, because (laughs) this is the very first one that we are doing and we are learning.
0: Pilot episodes are (laughs) never good. We've uh, been going through like TV series with the kids and after every pilot episode, we're like, "Okay, let's go to the second episode Uh, and, and you'll see there's there's a lot of things that have changed. And so. Uh, guys, thank you so much for checking us out. And our episodes will really not be that long because uh, Josie and I are going to edit out everything Tim said in post. Yeah, great. Um, so thanks for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast on wherever you're listening to podcasts. Uh, join us on social medias, on all the different formats. You can. Uh, we'll let you know when new episodes come on. And we can't wait for the next time that we get a chance to come together and fix the church. And until <laughs> then,
1: be, be good. good. Listening to Good Christian People, the podcast. This podcast is hosted by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. It was recorded on June 28, 2020. If you'd like to find more of our content, please visit us online at GoodChristianPod.com or follow us on Twitter at, at GCP Pod.